welcome back to Storm Champ, the podcast that uh, talks with everyday people who have faced uh, an insurmountable challenge in their life and have seen their way through the other side. My name is Kim, I'll be hosting today. And we're interviewing Mila about her story um, and some of the uh, silver linings and gems that came out of the recent storm she's faced. So Mila, could you please introduce your story and yourself a little bit to our listeners? Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Kim. It's a pleasure being here. So I am Mila Trump. <laughs> Thank you for putting in the effort in pronouncing my name. <laughs> Just now, I always appreciate it. And I'm a culture scientist and I, I founded my company in 2018 called Chief of Hearts, very focused on culture science. And it, it was born, <laughs> it was born from a very traumatic experience. So I used to, I used to work for Amazon Web Services for three years and I started in 2015. The first six months was fantastic. The people were fantastic. And, and then I was like, okay, you know, time for me to move into a different team, different role, different career progression. And I, I guess that was the first time I was exposed to what hell is. I do not know what hell is. So all the spiritual people out there, religious people who believe in hell, mm. you know, do not hate me. But this was my experience in hell with this team. And I have never, ever experienced this level of demonizing someone or dehumanizing someone i had a manager and i thought oh she's an immigrant you know she is more diverse she's more uh, open to the lens of what diversity is leadership is women empowerment is and i was so bloody wrong man it was all the bloody opposite it's and you know being a foreigner herself she picked on the way i spoke she's like oh you're a foreigner you know and you do not know the American way. And I was like, what are you talking about? And it, it felt like, you know, everything I did was picked on and scrutinized on. Uh, and it was, it was not a space of collaboration. And it, this is nothing bad on the company, but it's absolutely bad on the people whom they mm -hmm. have in a position of power. So everything I said was wrong, everything I did was wrong. And I felt as though I was pinned down because of whatever reason that she had, right? Because I asked her questions and asking questions, she took it as a form of challenging her. She, mm -hmm. she took it as a form uh, as to, I'm your supervisor, how dare you? You challenge me, you ask questions, you do as I say, you don't reach out to people, yeah. you didn't reach out to, to anyone. Uh, yeah. without my permission and it's like well, what the bloody hell are you talking about you know right. that's not I, I think a lot of our listeners will probably share in that experience especially if they've had a toxic work environment in the past if they've uh had a chance to kind of look back on some maybe relationships that have an air of power involved in them um mm -hmm. that authority piece you were talking to um probably was hard earned right any of us who have achieved anything have likely worked hard for that so sure I can understand the need for respect my authority of of sorts um mm -hmm. but there's a way you play that game and evidently it doesn't sound like they were playing quite the way right decent respectable adults would be playing that game so right th yeah that sounds pretty rough what else was going on at work um during that time for it to impact you so much you know because sometimes you let stuff kind of like fall off your right. back or just kind of go to the side but this sounds like it really kind of hit you deep right it, it did it absolutely did um and the whole thing was you know I, I thought she was my mentor and that's why I always uh, I, not always that is one of the reasons why I shifted my mindset from mentors are bullshit sponsors are king mm. right sponsorship you think about sponsorships in school sponsorships uh Anywhere you get money to elevate yourself, you get the help to elevate yourself. Mm -hmm. Mentors are people, not everyone is like this, but 99% of the time, this is what I've experienced with mentors, are people who just talk, who are not willing to help mm -hmm. and who become gatekeepers to kind of like check you, like you are over here. You want to do this? Sorry, I'll ask you a mentor. Again, not everyone is like that, but majority of what I've experienced is of that mm -hmm. sort. But she took on this persona as to and again it's a she and it's i was so disappointed it's a female mm -hmm. as like with the whole narrative of we're trying to change female empowerment come on, sis. Come on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. and i was like 
but and it was such a letdown right and it was always and I finally realized because her leadership and top leadership was seeing what I was doing what I was bringing to the table I was invited to team team discussions with the VP and she didn't like it she was like you you don't speak she would ping me she like message me you do not speak until I give you permission yeah. And she knew that my promotion, my career progression was in her hands. So it was like a carrot on a stick, right? Yeah. And within, I, I was with the team for about a year. Yeah, a year. And then I transitioned out. But during that time when I was with that team, my dad passed away. Mm-hmm. And that impacted me in a very granular level. I was continents away. And I didn't have the immigration status to fly out. Mm-hmm. So... That imposed another layer to it. And then she was like, oh, you know, take time for yourself if you need and blah, blah, blah. Because I told her, I told her that, you know, my dad passed away and I can't put up with this BS. If you're not willing. Right. Life is happening. I don't need you. Yeah. If you're not willing to give me the progression, I'm I'm willing to move teams because I don't need this added stress to layer onto what is going on, whatever I'm going on with my dad, my my dad passing away. That's such... Mm -hmm. I felt as though I lost a pillar, right? And and then I, I and then I started seeing her change to the point where she started building this narrative as to Mila is not performing because she is distracted by her dad's death. Mm. Mila is not doing something because her mind is not at the right place, and she created like she used that she she used that against me which was such an evil cruel so sour yeah yeah it's, it's like uh, right now if i could speak with her i'd say shame on you shame yeah. on you for doing I feel that. sorry for you like right yeah and 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 then it was such uh i, I think this was uh, like what thieves do yeah and i felt that she hired certain people to replace me and she hired people who were 10 years younger than me so I think she had she she weaponized all these things. Every situation that she created, she created to harm me. And she told my fellow teammates not to include me in any team meetings, not to speak with me. So they would schedule a meeting at one p.m. and I'd turn up for meeting, and they would have already shown up one hour before, not letting me there. Mm-hmm. And I, when I would show up, they would be like, "Oh, we already spoke. You don't need to come." With that. I'm not saying all millennials are bad, but with this millennial kind of like, a, a, what do you call Frey voice? Uh, he didn't need to come. You know, <laughs> yeah. like him uh, take on a voice. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I always try to maintain a professional behavior because it's like, there's no point losing my cool over that. Yeah. And finally I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on. And it seems like this is, has been a pattern. So I acknowledged it. And my supervisor got really mad at me and she said, you're dumb, you're stupid. Uh, I, I've been finding out that you've been speaking to other mentors. So I was like, yeah, I am going to speak with other people. Yes. If I'm not getting help from you, I am going to reach out to other people. And I thought to myself, I didn't need this abuse. So I moved to a different team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then when she found out I was moving to a different team, she was like, oh, uh, your promotion was already going to be approved in a week. And I said, don't tell me this bullshit. Right. The promotion was going to be approved to the person whom you hired to replace me. Mm. And for the narrative to say that I'm not tax savvy, that's just another passive aggressive bullying yeah. narrative to use against yeah. me. Oh my so God. when I'm, yeah. And when I moved to the other, another team, oh my God, Kim, this was 10 times worse than the previous team. No, I was hoping for you <laughs> to come on this story. It's perfect. We're round in the corner. no, worse how how was it worse it was worse it was 10 times uh uh, dehumanizing 10 times more dehumanizing i i lost a sense of me i already lost a sense of me when my dad passed away and when was in that team and when i moved to this team i absolutely lost who mila was i i lost a sense to articulate because that was how much how deep i was in stress I was experiencing anxiety. I was experiencing depression. Mm-hmm. And no matter what I did, I was not good enough. I didn't have one manager. 
Yeah. I had three managers. Oh, girl, you're speaking my story. I have a whole, yes, no. And you, you start questioning yourself. Because right. it's not that you are incapable of the task. It's that even when you complete the task, it's never good enough. It wasn't the way right. that XYZ wanted it. And evidently you have three leaders now who you report to or supervising you. And can, right. Yeah, no, I've been there. Um, I'm so sorry, but I've been there and I know, I know that feeling. So how right. long did the second team last for you? A year and a half. A year and a half. And that was, I, I, told, I told myself, okay, I'm coming into this new team. It's a blank slate, right? I can create anything. And that was what I was told. I was told this is a new position. You can make it whatever that you want it Ooh, to be. Be careful with that oh. opportunity. Like, you know, and I think that they use these buzzwords because they see the potential and that right. ability for you to take it to scale and run with it. But they don't recognize that there's a risk involved. They being supervisors, generally, I'm saying, um, right. they don't realize the risk involved and the trust required to empower their, we'll call it subordinate, but it should be their team player. Mm -hmm. Like just because you're my boss or my supervisor doesn't mean we're not on the same team here. Like right. you know, I've always had an issue with that, and especially if you've been rising to the occasion and then getting the acknowledgement from the higher, the senior administrators and the other outside teams. This is all good signs but you internalize everything else, all the other noise as bad signs. And you start to right. really doubt yourself. I've been there, yes. Absolutely, doubt was a huge, I'm gonna say it, huge baby born from this. It's like, guess doubt. It's no longer no doubt, it's guess doubt. It's like, yeah. it, it was, I had three managers and it was so interesting. You know, I remember when I was hired, they were like, oh, you know, you can create whatever you want, learn about the team. You're hired to bridge gaps. And the person whom I hired for, right, when I spoke with her, she was like, you know, you're going to be reporting under me. And then when I spoke with the other manager, she was like, well, we're going to share responsibilities. You're going to report under both of us. And then the third manager came in. She was like, you're going to be helping all three of us. I was like, okay, make up your bloody minds, people. It's, it's like, no, I'm not a service dog. Even service dogs do, are not treated that way. Absolutely. And I remember being in a meeting and they were like, okay, write a proposal, what you want to do? And because you're brought in to bridge the gaps. So when I went in, I said, this is what I can do because you mentioned that you're having problems and issues with marketing. You're having issues with sales teams. You're having issues with account managers. You're having issues with so many people that should have been a red flag for me. <laughs> but I thought this is how I was thinking as, okay, I'm going in to help people not to like, criticize them so i met with every team i met with every team every person they mentioned about and every team and every person i spoke to they were like no we were told a different story that you were hired to do a certain job so they were told lies by this managers and as i okay when i went back to my manager and my manager was like she was shocked like you know, you can tell that she was nervous because she, I found out the truth. Mm. She was like, oh, no, they are lying. They are lying. And I was like, mm. <laughs> Your face this... tells me maybe not. <laughs> right. Yeah. So when I, when I met different marketing teams and everyone had a resounding team of the people, like my managers were hard to work with. So if, if not one or two person are saying, it was not one or two person, it was so many people, every team mm -hmm. that they have worked with have expressed this. And for me to hear that, I had to like think about, okay, am I going to be in a hot spot? Because I'm brought into bridge gaps. Mm -hmm. So, and then I was like, given under the name of project, right? Because they, they were like, okay, I'm, I'm going to bring you as a project manager. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, okay, what are the projects? What's the scope? Right. And it turned out to be not projects. It was like just tasks, but they, they packaged and marketed it as project. I was like, this is not a project. Yeah, like your entire company is a project at this point. Like your entire company needs work. And I guess from a managerial standpoint, not right. just your managers and supervisors, like the whole structure just seems like it's crumbling. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to take on whatever I can take 
on and I started to like questioning my manager what are you doing right now that I can help with and it was such manual work and when I reached out to people how can we automate this this is a repetitive process that we are doing every single day we can automate this and I got pushback like oh no there are errors I was like there are errors by you even doing this on the Excel sheet because you are altering everything to provide false data to leadership and I witnessed that and I called out on it and oh, no. and then and then and then of course to them it's like I'm not their ally anymore because I'm not agreeing I'm not a puppet woman anymore because I'm not agreeing or I'm I'm not going with their lies anymore, right. and and then slowly I realized that you know like whatever I did was not good enough again whatever I did was not good enough whomever I reached out to was not good enough when I questioned managers or whomever that they were hiring in, when I questioned them, it was labeled as Mila can't communicate, she can't speak English, she can't present properly. Oh, that's so insulting and racist, fuckers. Right. So I was like, (laughs) and they would say these things when I was not expecting it, or Mm. there's no way of me recording it or tracking it. That it was pinning me down in such a way where, what are you talking about? you know, <clears throat> it's all in your head. So, and then I slowly started finding myself in position where they started rechanging my job description saying that I can't perform. And they created this scenario as to they dump work on me every time I questioned or challenged something, or if I reached out to someone else to question or to get information, again, I had heard the, converse, the same narrative. You don't reach out to anyone else without my permission. You don't speak with anyone else without my permission. The, and, and I was like, and my manager would yell at me, scream at me. And I was like, you know, I'm not a five-year-old for you to treat me like this. To a point that it discombobulated me at a very core level. And because from the stress, every time I did something, right and they would pick on it like every time they have problems and especially when they had directed me or given me the instruction to do exactly how it is to be done and when i would question i would not even get responses sometimes from this managers or they would give me wrong responses or they would direct me to someone else to get the information from and sometimes i would not even get information and then they created a scenario where they asked me to do project A, stop project A, go to project B, stop project B, go project A, stop project A, go to project D, stop project D, go to project C. And they created this scenario where I was not capable of completing work, taking instructions. I was not capable of everything. So it went in my PIP review. I was put on a PIP without even me realizing I was on a PIP. They didn't what is that? What is a performance uh, improvement plan. I got you. Okay. So, so they formalized their their uh, their dislikes of your work, right? Yeah. But you were unable to document anything really yeah. aside from just your anecdotal experience, which yeah. has to be curating because that's your lived experience day in day out. But they're using the system to their advantage to continually kind of poke the bear and and right. bully you into corners and stuff. Right. right? Absolutely. So I went to HR and HR, this was HR, HR response. I know your managers, they're not that kind of people. Mm-hmm. The problem is with you. You oh, need yeah. to find resources. So I was like, okay. And then I called my other HR partner and she was like, well, I can't help you. If your manager is not your champion, I will ask you to leave the company. So I knew the conversations. I had a hunch that there were conversations going on where they might already be planning to let go of me. Because if a HR person is telling me that, yeah. then there's, there's something going on. So I, it was just a very stressful situation for me. And, you know, them changing my job description. Every time I asked a question or challenged something, they would dump work on me. They'll give me work at 4 p.m. expecting me to deliver it at 5, p, at 5 a.m. Oh, wow. I worked 16, 18-hour days i worked on the weekends if i didn't do something i would get pings all the time so i was like on top of everything i quickly like found out how to how to save myself right mm-hmm. that is when new team members were coming into the team and 
I felt I couldn't trust anyone. I felt that I couldn't trust anyone on the team because I didn't know who was telling what, who was speaking what. They created this scenario. There wasn't a culture of trust to begin with, though. Right. You couldn't no. even trust that your your supervisor had your back or would at least hold space for you to face whatever challenge right. you were looking at and support you and coach you and, and celebrate your successes. There are not once in the moments we've been speaking about your previous experience have I heard any real joy. I mean, I kind of understand. Oh, that. But like you were never even like celebrated for no. any. No, never. Uh, until I, new teammates came in, uh, th- and then I found two partners. I'm not going to call them allies because it's like, yeah, allies can go quickly like in a diarrhea mode. <laughs> but I found two allies, and they were like, uh, one of them said, "I see what's going on with you," and I, I was like, I couldn't trust, and there was no trust, right? I was like, "What are you talking about? Nothing is going on," and she was like, "I see what's going on. I see what they're doing to you." Mm-hmm. you need to fight back how did that feel to hear that you were seen for the first time oh in- my god i felt i'm not i'm not going to use the word empowered i felt enabled because mm-hmm. i had the power but the power was kind of like deprived you know how when 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 you're free but you put when you when you when you have shackles on you heart shackles like heavy shackles on you and you can't move you have the strength but your strength kind of depletes Mm -hmm. that's how I felt I felt that my power was caged in a glass box but you felt it you knew you had it I had it like stuck yeah yeah I felt so depleted Mm -hmm. and to hear that voice I was I felt like crying I felt hurt I felt seen I felt as though I had a partner not allyship, not a mentor. I had a partner. I had a sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And I finally like spoke with her and she said, you don't need to tell me. I see everything. I hear everything. Mm-hmm. I see what you have done in the past that has been roadblocked by these three people. And she said, stay strong. Don't fall into this trap. And I felt so liberated despite what I was going through. I felt so liberated. But I I reached out to people and these, especially these two managers saw what was going on. I reached out to people. I started speaking and I had another partner, right? Another person who came new to the team and I, and he did, uh, he did software development. And I said, Hey, these are the problems that I've been trying to solve, but it's not going anywhere. I'm trying to automate a lot of processes uh, because it, the task takes 70 hours a week and the task is done by me. 70 hours a week, I want to reduce it down to, uh, to at least 10 hours a week. And he had a good relationship with the third manager. And she sent out an email, what are the problems to the whole team? What are the problems that we can solve? And I, and I was like, this is my way. And, I'm, and my manager was like, well, you can re- respond. I give you my permission to respond to her. And I, 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 and I said, these are all the problems from my perspective. I was hired in to do this mm-hmm. and I do not have resources or traction to go forward. These are the problems. These are the solutions. These are the data I have compiled. This is what we will be saving in not just man hours, but we will be saving half a million dollars for the company. Dollars. Yeah. Speak their language, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and she gave me the go. I partnered with this new person who, who does software development. These two managers, the other two managers hated that. So they tried to create a more toxic course environment, dumping work on me. And I felt, again, I'm like, I felt enabled at the same time. I, I felt as I took two, uh, 10 steps forward, 30 steps backward. Mm-hmm. And to a point where I felt, I, I actually stood on top of a building ready to commit suicide because the constant yelling, the constant you're not good enough, the constant, uh, oh my God, it, it was a nightmare to get yelled at, to get texts, to get nasty texts, nasty emails. I felt as though I was walking on broken glass, eggshells. Mm-hmm. That feeling triggered how I felt when I was 11 years old, being abused by my teacher, by my primary school teacher, where she would slap me every day. She would pull my hair, slam me against the wall. The narrative I heard every day in my primary school when I was 11 years old was, you're stupid, you're fat, 
you're going to grow up to be a person who picks up other people's rubbish. Yeah. She shamed me in front of all my classmates, 40 mm. of them. And she created a group for me at the back of the, the class saying, this is the most stupidest class. And she put me in that group. And she asked all the rest of my team, uh, my classmates, to look at me and say, Mila is a stupid, stupid child. Do not be a friend. That was what was triggered. My experience with that team, with especially these two managers, triggered right that back. feeling mm-hmm. of trauma. And I felt useless. And I stood on top of a building ready to jump. Oh. That's when I heard the voice stop. I did not know where the voice came from. No one was around. My husband didn't know. My husband had no clue what was. He knew I was having anxiety and depression. He knew I was in a bad mm-hmm. space. No one else knew what was going through. I had the voice top. I, I received a text from my sister. Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. My sister had no clue what was going on too. That was a defining moment for me. I was like, my lo- life is worth it. I'm going to fight back. Mm-hmm. I launched a global program that saved half a million dollars, 70 hours, reduced 70 hours to 10 hours per task, not just for North America, but for EMEA and APAC. I launched different programs, which was later eliminated when I left the company because they still tried to portray and paint me as the mean person. Yeah. And, and like a few weeks before I left, I called the head corporate, corporate, and I reported this, like the abuse. I tracked every single thing, like for, for like two months before I, like, I was, I started tracking. I started mm-hmm. every email, uh, every time these two managers like pushed back or created anything or created any narrative. I would go back to the back end software development teams and mm-hmm. say, "Can I have a, a, like a copy of whatever script was going on? Because I'm going to submit this to him, top HR." And they were really collaborative with me. Okay. And I tracked everything. I reported everything. I left the company. Uh, yeah. The company. Wow. Yeah. This is a massive story. And like the work that it takes to even like prove your truth and the boldness in folks just participating in such ugly ways. And right. Like, knowing at, at the end point, likely knowing that you were collecting information yeah, just to state your case. Like, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of things in, in leadership development and the stuff that I've done with students and, you know, boards and different things in the nonprofit space. Um, corporate world is a bit off of my charge. Like, I'm not really familiar with mm-hmm. it. I am searching for a job, so perhaps, but, um, <laughs> but in general, in the business of people and developing people and growing people up, this isn't just two or three supervisors and a fluke of their personality. This is a cultural developmental norm that has somehow embedded itself into that workplace and has become right. things are done. And if, if only by some small miracle, if you want to get into, again, the spiritual world of things, you found your truth and ran with it. And I'm so glad your sister affirmed you. I'm so, so glad you found the strength from wherever to pick up and take your talents to an entirely different scale and, and create your own, you know, your own fruits of of the labor that you went through there so so a congratulations on getting thank thank you through it Um, (laughs) let's talk about getting out of it and and up into what you're doing now so so once you were able to kind of collect that information you know and you put the stuff on teams and you were able to kind of articulate at least represent a piece of the hell you've been going through what is closing out of that chapter and starting your your current next chapter what did that look like well, it took a lot of healing, right? It took a lot of healing. I took time for myself to heal first because I was so like discombobulated. The stress, the studies shown, even like <laughs> TED talks and it's neuroscience where they say that when a, a human undergoes stress, your brain cells gets disconnected. Mm-hmm. Disconnected to a point that you can't, you, you won't be able to articulate, you won't be able to think critically. So I went through that and I was like, I need to recover from this. So I went through that whole stage of anger, you know, like forgiveness. And, and I cried for days and all of that regret, shame. And then I was like, you know what? When I, I started my company, I was like, I've always had this knack for culture. 
And I've had the humble opportunity to, to grow up in different countries, to live in different countries, to learn about what culture is, not just from a singular lens, from, but from a very nuanced, wider lens. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is my calling because whatever I have built, even when I was part of Amazon, even like in my education career, even as an engineer, like I was an engineer at some point in my life, I was a chemical engineer. I have always built people up. I've always created environments that evolves. And I thought to myself, this has been my calling. This has always been my calling. So that's how I launched my culture science company because there's so much of buzzwords going on in the past 10 years, like chief of people, chief of culture, but this bullshit still happens. Like, like who, what, who's chief are you? Like chief of your people are you working with? chief of your own bloody ego like sit down shut up let's really talk about this if you really want to care for your people and culture you really need to understand people from a very core level the core level is the heart the beating heart Mm -hmm. how one wants to be accepted and when i launched my culture science company throughout my healing process when i was undergoing my healing process, I did a lot of traveling and that traveling spontaneously turned into research. And that's when I found the missing piece into diversity culture or creating an organization is acceptance. Mm -hmm. How do we accept other people, not for how they want to be accepted, not only for how they want to be accepted, but the space that they want to be accepted into. So. When I created this, this culture science company, I was so focused on let's truly build people up, not just for C-suite people or for middle management. There's a leader in everyone. Every follower is a leader. Every leader is a follower. Mm-hmm. So when I launched the company, I, you know, I started offering a lot of uh, content first because I wanted to build that piece, content through my podcast. And podcast also was part of my healing process too talking about certain things and finding re- and resolutions is what's not about, oh, it's bitch mode. No, it's about let's, yeah. right? Like people were like, oh, misery loves company. I always tell them, no, reality loves company because in order to find solutions, you need to tap into why are you miserable? What is making you miserable? Because that is part of someone's reality yeah. and you cannot dismiss that. Oh. And that's what I started doing, content via podcast, content via training, workshops, and then partnerships. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing, like really bring visibility as to what is leadership. And that's when I created, it's no longer leadership, it's hardship. It really is, though. Because, it really is. Yeah. yeah, it's it's hardship. It's like, whom are you going to lead without really, really like valuing someone's heart, valuing someone's feelings emotions you yeah know. i mean you can go down to the micro micro level you can go all the way up to the super high right. like a meta level like there's i mean there's all sorts of stuff when i think about when i try very hard not to think about the national politic and, and rhetoric going on right now mm-hmm. but our duty and all that other stuff so let's get into it a bit um people talk about bringing back the soul of 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 this nation mm-hmm. um and there's a lot of rhetoric to be involved in, in what is america and all that other stuff but the whole idea that like nothing wrong about America can't be solved by what is right about America sort of thing, like paraphrasing. Um, <laughs> but the idea that the heart of who we are and what we're about is, is central to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing would be said absolute, absolutely and has proven, I'm a social scientist in a lot of regard, by social movements. And so if you want to look at civil rights movements, you want to look at women's movements, you want to look at workers' rights movements, whatever, whatever, you pick and choose your topic. Right. It all comes down to the heart space if you want to engage in active change. Right. The last thing I'll say is um, I ended up qualifying for um, a facilitative leadership certification several years ago, and it is rooted and centered in social change. So it's very mm-hmm. broad and dynamic in its own. And like page three is basically talks about your head space and your heart space and that. Right combination between the two so there's absolutely hard factual research out there for going on at least a decade probably more i'm sure right um especially in cultural and community spaces absolutely i think what you experienced was the front lines of corporate america 
and sort of this structure within capitalism really clashing with the business of people. Right. And, and, and you came out with a whole bunch of bruises from it. And I don't think your story is that unlike others, unfortunately, but I think that the, the solutions-based focus of sort of like what I did with that fire and that the bruising and all of that like is extraordinary. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about what has it been like to um, put those pieces together after you've sort of gone through the storm, you've been able to create this new project, this new business, this new uh, world lens. What has it been like um, kind of driving that work now? Oh, it's, uh, it's the fire, I call it the fire within me. It's because I really want to see change. I am tired of all the conversations. I'm tired of all the checkboxes, the fake checkboxes. It's a marketing, it's, it's a marketing strategy. So really, yeah. it's, I really want to see people thrive and that's the fire in me. That that is what is driving me right now. And that's what I've been doing. It's like truly reaching out to people and, and like engaging in conversations and saying, hey, how can we build coalitions Mm-hmm. coalitions to execute right and execute and and to your point i this is something that i believe in my company too like hardship is about whatever happens at home happens in the workplace happens in schools happens in our society and at a global scale if i'm going to use amy cooper as an example okay. from the internet amy cooper lashed out at that level, because she was challenged by someone who didn't look like her, sound like her. She could have handled it in a very different manner. And probably she, you know, she didn't know how to take it. Maybe her, her ego and her power was so challenged. Her narrative was like, how dare you do that to me? Mm-hmm. And it really made me think, if someone is behaving like that in public, how are they behaving like that in the workplace? And she, she's, she was a weepy, a person with power who holds access to resources and opportunities to people. Mm-hmm. Whom is she safeguarding or gatekeeping these resources from mm-hmm. is my question and is what I had experienced. And that is driving fire in me, equity, equity yeah. for all. Because when we talk about gender gaps, you know, gender equity, pay equity, home equity, home ownership equity. All of it, girl. All of it starts somewhere. Humans show up at the workplace for a paycheck. Without that paycheck, you, you as a company, you're enabling poverty. You're enabling homelessness. So it becomes a social responsibility. It has to start there. It has to start in schools. So that is the driving fire and fuel in me. It's like, I, this is just not a project. It's not a project. It, it, it's for workplaces. My mission is to change leadership into hardship, not just at workplaces, but in schools, in our society, in the political system. And I'm doing it one step at a time yeah. by engaging, inviting people um, into conversations and then saying, hey, how can we create a coalition? Like changing talk into action. So that's the driving fuel for me. Absolutely, absolutely. So this is super awesome and interesting. I, uh, I've been struggling with my own um, workplace fit, I guess is what we'll call that. Um, I think a lot of us, all of us in general, right, we were, we were told in, in middle school, I remember, you're going to hold at least 10 different jobs, like your job that like your dad had, or that whole idea of like working at one place for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years and retiring is kind of on its way out. Well, then here comes the late 90s and 2000s. So it's definitely all sorts of messed up now. Um, that expectation, that entitlement, that uh, assumption, some of those pieces are deeply rooted, of course, in white privilege and capitalistic, you know, mm-hmm. uh, societies. But but in general, as, as we, as a generation, as an individual grow up and into ourselves and into the world around us, I think that especially whatever post COVID-19 might look like, the workplace is going to shift. Um, and I think a lot of our values are going to be um, kind of put in check. Um, mm-hmm. I think about some of the pros and cons that are coming from the fact that so many of us are working from home right now, which means we're also parenting while working. That means we're right. also 
um, you know, running our households while working, things like this. And so we're discovering capacities within ourselves and maybe within our partners or our neighbors or whoever that usually wouldn't be a part of the dialogue of work, but our heart is now sort of exposed in the matter. So it's kind of an open-ended and very like thought <laughs> process on the edge of my mind, but I'm wondering your thoughts in terms of returning or revolving what work looks like post-COVID, mm -hmm. um, particularly taking into consideration some of the lived experiences that you and myself and others have gone through in, in toxic spaces as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I, <laughs> I did research on this. So I waited really long. I, I was like on stop mode, collecting data for 10 weeks on working from home. Mm -hmm. And the invisible has become invisible. Uh, the invisible has become visible. Mm -hmm. To your point, I, I, working from home is not remote work. Not I want to repeat this again. Working from home is not remote work. The pandemic has clearly, to your point, Kim, has revealed so many factors. Parents have had and are having to put on multiple hats of being a caregiver, a chef, a conflict resolution resolutionist you know you've got to attend to jobs what if you had a disabled parent you have to take care of them as well right so a lot of things that has been invisible has brought to visibility and and a lot of people have shared with them that with, on the data that they struggle a lot their mental health took a toll because they even though the commute was eliminated right commute was eliminated and they have extra two hours, but they get up early to prepare for lunch, whatever that they had to prepare because no longer childcare. Right. So they had to prepare and then straight going to work. And then while working, they had to juggle so many things that takes a toll on your mental health. Mm -hmm. And then some people share, most people share, they work till 11 p.m. to catch up with work, not getting sufficient support from team managers. And they were micromanaged. Mm -hmm. So working from home shows a different lens as to what companies are doing right now, thinking, oh, you can work from home, you're sick, work from home. Or you have a child to take care of, work from home. No, where's the humanistic side? Right. So everyone talks about the future of work. I say that's bullshit. That's absolutely bullshit. We need to focus on the now of work, mm -hmm. not future of leadership. Forget about the future. Don't, <laughs> if, if someone was to tell me, oh, I'll, I'll exercise in five years time, I'll eat cake now, shut up, <laughs> do it now. You want to, like that's a good point. I mean, that makes complete sense. You're absolutely right. <laughs> like, do it now. If you don't do it now, it's like if you see something, you say something, right? Are you going to say, "Oh, I'll speak up in five years' time for racism"? I'll right. speak up in five years' time because I saw my sister get raped. No, you do it now. You do it bloody now because there's a leader in you. You need to take action right now. So it's not the future of work. It's the now of work. It's the now of us. Leaders, and I, I wrote an article recently too, and I published it on my website. As leaders, we need to rethink what flexibility looks like, how working from home looks like. Flexibility is, do we really need 40 hours a week to work from when we have technology mm -hmm. to facilitate automation and humanize our work line, mm -hmm. right? Flexibility also looks like, do we really need nine to five, start at nine and end at five? Right. Like in my company, I have power hours every Monday, we only get together at, for one hour, mission, what needs to be achieved, set out to do, Friday, quick one hour, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And we have communication platforms, Slack, text, whatever, mm -hmm. to communicate. We need to adopt and really adopt the mindset of evolution. It's no longer culture fit. This is not a one-size-fits-all dress. Right. It, no, one size. By, by, the, by, by the way, it never was a one size fits all dress. Oh but. my God, no. No, it, it, every time the dress goes right here, never <laughs> to my hips are like, goodbye. This dress does not fit you. So that's another BS. Good we point. need to challenge that paradigm. So it is culture evolution, right? Culture is about your people, the lives of people, sustainability, emotions right people say i'll leave your emotions out like what are you robot how yeah we're human we're still human actually guys right if you can you eat lunch right if you're going to say leave your emotions out hunger is another kind of a feeling mm -hmm. so don't eat don't pee don't drink like so we need to rethink what flexibility is like what working from home looks like what the new 40 new work week looks like like 
my company we only work for like 30 to, uh, 20 to 30 hours a week and that's it nothing else more and how support looks like how evolution like career evolution looks like how entrepreneurship in jobs look like mm-hmm. are we hiring someone to do the dirty work that we don't want to do or are we hiring like under the, the pretense of marketing specialists culture specialists to do all the paperwork that you don't want to do the tasks that you don't want to do are we hiring people to be your assistant or are we hiring thinkers and doers who are individuals it's no longer return on investment it's return on individualism Mm -hmm. return on impact Mm -hmm. those are the returns that we need to focus on so those are some of the solutions and that's how i see the now of work Mm -hmm. Uh, so i'm actually speaking about this in two in two weeks time i'm presenting a talk um so i'm really excited to do that too but we really need to rethink it's no longer the future of work it's the now of work working from home is absolutely possible if we changed our our culture and our mindset and we need to put the right people in c-suite and middle management absolutely absolutely i think you have a great uh, analysis given obviously your experience and things like that so uh, the workforce wherever and however is incredibly lucky to have you uh, <laughs> as part of their their brain and things like that i think that's fantastic um Trying to think of a few last wrapping up questions for our listeners and everything. I know that um, this topic in general, um, whether folks are enjoying the place that they are working or are absolutely miserable or maybe out of work. I mean, this is something that's constantly kind of in the back of our minds with with life being how it is right now. But uh, in terms of what you uh, enjoy and value most on on this side of reality now, the grass is greener. How? Um, what are like two major ways that taking kind of ownership and leadership in your own career and also I assume being able to lift others up um, in the work that you do what are two highlights that you would say have made this whole journey worth it um being 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 the vehicle for people to speak and for me to give a listening ear like to truly listen we talk about oh i'm listening but don't listen while you're on your computer or while you're texting or when you're thinking about what should i eat tonight mm-hmm. listen people want to be hurt and it goes back to acceptance when i said i mentioned about acceptance is the missing piece to diversity and to culture people want to be accepted and acceptance looks like to be heard to be seen mm-hmm. and that is one of the things i love surfing people when i I, I say serve. I also say being a partner with people, mm-hmm. right? Because a relationship is not about walking front or walking at the back. It's about walking side by side mm-hmm. and saying, hey, let me see the same thing as you're seeing. Let's look at the scenario together. Not I look first and then you come and look. Not you look first and then I'll come and look. It's let's look at the sunset, sunrise, whatever it is together. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And number two is always knowing what your true essence is what you are capable of eliminate the narrative and the lies that you were told of the singular concept of what leaders leaders should be how a leader should look like what confidence is what public speaking is don't don't listen to someone who says you're not a good public speaker you're not a good speaker you're not confident a confident person can look like a female software developer who's soft-spoken, who chooses to sit in a separate room, who is introverted and yet can deliver confidently on a project in front of 20 people. Confidence aligns with passion. Public speaking aligns with passion and essence and individuality. So those are the two pieces that I want to share. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know a lot of what I'm picking up from what you're sharing with us today has to do with alignment. Um, I think I can think back and I'm sure you can and others too, to when we weren't quite as well aligned and that anger starts to really seep right. that, that frustration, that doubt, all that heavy negativity starts to uh, kind of overshadow any sort of optimistic or hopeful, you know, energy moving forward. And so I guess um, in one last sort of tip or trick for folks who might be struggling, um, who might not really quite see that light yet and doesn't really know how to get through this this crisis or this storm right now? What 
What would you say to folks who are feeling that anger and that frustration and that doubt? What could they do with that feeling um, immediately? And then also, what would you what would you tell them? Like, just hope hope for them. Uh, your emotions are valid. Your emotions are valid. Do not disregard your emotions. But we also need to heal from our emotions. Ask the why, when, how, who. What made you angry? Why is it making you angry? Challenge yourself. Because when we don't challenge ourselves, we will never grow. And that was the biggest thing I did. I had to challenge myself. At some point, I had to forgive these people. I had to forgive these people who did injustice mm -hmm. to me. Because there's no point in carrying a burden, a heavy bag of sun all throughout your life when they, they did whatever they did to harm you but you're still carrying the bag of sand it only hurts you let go and know that you have the strength to create something create something start a podcast and voice voice your anger voice your emotions and through through voicing out writing speaking dancing painting you'll find your solution you'll find your clarity you'll find and that's how i got my clarity Mm -hmm. And I would argue your voice back too, because there's a lot yeah. of what you had said about, I feel like I lost myself. Right. It is the most debilitating experience to be, for me, to be a loud, bold, big presence in this world and to all of a sudden have lost it. Like what, what happened, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. Um, that was the biggest thing for me. It's you know, through healing. I was like, one day I just woke up and said, I'm back. Exactly. Lila is back. Exactly. It's like, and my husband was like, I see the real Mila back. The, bu <laughs> yeah. the bubbly, like the, the jovial, because I make like really d dirty, perverted jokes. <laughs> and my husband is like, you're back because you're talking about dirty things right now and perverted stuff. So you're back. So yeah, it's, it's, I'll tell people, listen to your soul, listen to your heart, mm -hmm. to your beating heart. Eliminate the unwanted voices because those are all lies. Find your partners, not allies. Find your partners who will listen and lift you up mm -hmm. and pay it forward. Always pay it forward. Pay it forward in the form of listening to someone else, giving someone else an opportunity. Because just because someone else shut the opportunity for you does not mean that you have to become that person. Right create a platform, create an environment that enables as opposed to disabling and displacing. That's right. Awesome. Oh, Mila, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today um, and paying it forward by sharing all of those gems. That was fantastic. I hope and I know our listeners will take so much from what you've been able to kind of share and highlight through your own storm. So um, again, uh, Mila, we'll have all of your social media um, shared with our listeners on our website. Um, you'll be able to listen to this podcast anywhere you stream your podcast, be it Spotify, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we'll make sure that Carlos gets everything up on the website as soon as possible. And best of luck to you and everything. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, and yeah, we'll stay in touch. Can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Bye, Mila. <laughs>